Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 424 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Terrible. Uh, I apologize in advance for coughing into the microphone. Mm-hmm. But from listening to the number of podcasts that I do, I think we are the only podcast that does not have multiple people coughing, chewing, or both into the microphone. So if one slips through, I do want to apologize. You mean I none of my chews, coughs, or anything is coming through? Um, I usually go back and I do et- try to edit out as many of the long silences that we may have. Mm-hmm. To make things run a little bit more seamlessly, but, you know, even through my uh, obsessive-compulsive gaze, like your your chair just squeaking there like that, I can't, yeah. I, there's nothing I can do about that. Okay, I'll try to make it squeak less. So, Todd, what do we got to talk about on the show today? Um, a uh, comic company doing one of Joe's favorite things when it comes to collecting trades or hardcovers. Uh, also, what... Is I almost swore, by the way. <laughs> I, I almost you... just swore because, well, go ahead, go ahead. All right, no problem. Also, what's being added to the black labels at DC? And maybe we'll discuss what makes a black label book. I don't know. Um, also, Marvel is stealing our ideas again uh, with their Infinity Watch story. Um, and also, as everybody has probably heard on a more somber note, legend Stan Lee has passed away. And I think we'll discuss everything about his career uh, up to this point. You know, he was just a, a complete legend. So um, and then after that, we'll have uh, con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was and I actually have to have the issue in front of me so I don't say Agatha Christie's. I don't know why it's. Auntie Agatha's Home for Wayward Rabbits, number one, by Keith Giffen. Also, Immortal Hulk, number eight, and a super secret review of a book that nobody probably would have thought we were going <laughs> to review on this book, on this episode, but we'll we'll save that for a little bit later. I actually um, did stooge it off to one person. Ah, well, they probably won't announce it before this gets released right at midnight. Exactly. Uh, so. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so also what we're looking forward to this week, a uh, huge week, by the way. We'll get to that when we when, when we get to that. Also, uh, there was a plethora of art attacks this week. And at the end, we're going to have spoiler-filled talk of – it's an all-time travel uh, show talk to this week, Joe, of TV. It's Legends of Tomorrow and Doctor Who. Right. The originator and the imitator. I'll let you decide which is which. Oh, I think I know where I stand. Right. So, where'd you like to begin, Joe? Well, as you stated here, Todd, uh, the book, the, the thing that DC is notorious for, and I'm sure Marvel does it too, but I think Marvel does it on a much smaller scale, where there may be canceling reprints of stuff or collections of stuff that aren't critically acclaimed or high sellers or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And there's been so much going on over the last seven days, especially over the last two days, when you said that at the tease at the beginning of the show, 
I was like, what is Todd talking about? And then I went and looked at the notes, and I'm like, oh. And I almost swore. So, DC has canceled their reprints of the Jason Aaron uh, R.M. Guerra book Scalped from Vertigo. Mm-hmm. So what they'll do from time to time, they being DC Vertigo, pronouns pal, will re-kind of bundle one of their limited run books. And I say limited runs, you know, something that ran like 50 or 60 or 75 issues or whatever it is. Like here was the original trade order. Now we're going to re-release them in a different grouping, Right. Right, maybe change the amount of issues in each collection. Um, you know, so before it was six, now it's twelve, stuff like that. Right, like I think Preacher initially, just off the top of my head, as I'm looking away from the uh, microphone for a second, trying to see where they are on my shelf, and I'm very old, and there's books missing, so I apologize. But I think Preacher initially was like eleven, right? Mm-hmm. And they reconfigured everything so that they're like six. Scalped was another one that I think was 10, 9 or 10. There's something covering up the numbers at the bottom of my trades. And they started to recollect them to go alongside the prospective TV show that was being shopped around that they did a pilot for and so forth. Right. Well, with the pilot not being picked up, they've decided to cancel the last two of the five recollected trades. And I love the headline that I read somewhere that it said, you know, uh, of uh, scalped four canceled and possibly five. And I'm like, well, if they cancel four, but don't cancel five, I'd be even more upset. I, I like, wouldn't put it past DC's collections department. I really wouldn't, you know, with their omnibuy track record. And we've collected one, two, three. We didn't think four would sell. Then we put out five. Right. And the thing that I, I – we bring it up all the time, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up, of course. You have the multiple, multiple solicitations, cancellations, re-solicitations, cancellations again, re-solicitations again of Mark Wade's flash and impulse runs. You have the alleged collection of the Batwoman second features – uh, no, Manhunter second features. My apologies. Manhunter second features that never got collected, even though they were all supposed to get collected. And then the Tony Bedard Rebels run that they put out the first five. It was, it was a run that went like 40 issues. Would have been six trades. They <laughs> did the five trades and then they canceled the sixth trade. <laughs> and then, well, at least we'll give DC some credit because they did do like five of the six hitman trades and then they're like you know what all right here's the sixth one like a decade later (laughs) and and another good one was they did the great 12 the the chinese justice league 12 issue miniseries that got canceled with issue 11 oh it was the great 11 (laughs) i can see you canceled issue six i can even see you canceled issue eight we had one issue left Maybe they should have put it in a holiday special like they did the the Prez. Right, where you, Prez was supposed to be the 12, it was supposed to be 12 issues. Mm-hmm. Then it got busted down to six issues now, and then we'll give you the other six issues later. And then after the sixth issue came out, they're like, well, I think the other six issues are going to get condensed to into a backup feature somewhere. 
And then it was uh, two years ago in the Catwoman election special. <laughs> Which is my favorite holiday special <laughs> ever, by the way, goodness. Joe. Wasn't it like four pages, too? I think it was like six. Oh. So, so they, they, the writer had to encapsulate one issue per page. Right. Good luck with that. It's the first ever 90-panel page. <laughs> I would have just put the scripts for the books in there. Uh, just give me six pages. I'm just going to cram as many words and like maybe do like a watermark in the background of whatever the art would have been. Uh, maybe they just send like you a PDF file. <laughs> Here's what it would have been. Here's all my notes. So, no. yeah. It, I don't know what infuriates – I would say this probably infuriates me more than the slipshod scheduling and ordering of what's included in Comixology sales. Oh, you do – and any time I see and you send me in the show notes <laughs> or anything of a just we are not finishing this trade run, I'm like – I could hear Joe screaming from his super secret science <laughs> job from here. I can. And, and but the other thing is though, I'm I'm kind of fine with uh the hard co- hardcover. It's still terrible, but to me it's not as bad as the Rebels one or or others cuz cuz that stuff has been traded like scalp they they finished trades all the way at some point. I feel bad for anybody who bought 1, 2 and 3 that they're not going to get 4 and 5. But at least they were traded at some point. Like the Rebels just to never finish it. Or like any of the other ones, the Manhunter. It's like that one boggles me. Uh, but this one, I, I'm, if they said, if they even said sales, like we, we sold one, two and three and, and they were not making any money on them. Something, give me something. Don't just, just wipe the slate clean like they do. You know what I mean? Like. Right. I don't know, but I get where you're going. It doesn't bother me as much as it does you. And I get, I do, I get my, 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 the corner of my lip turns up a little bit when I see that. I'm like, he might not even care about the, 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 the trade that's coming out and gets canceled, but it's just going to, it's going to bother. It's the principle of it. It is. It is the principle of the matter. So speaking of DC and their reorganizing of their lines. Uh, more titles are being reprinted under the Black Label imprint. Mm-hmm. It's the imprint that is now just going to be the thing that they slap on, as Dan DiDio himself says. And I can't do the Dan DiDio impersonation, which breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Black Label line will house the best and most evergreen stories from DC. Which is not what it was originally pitched as. No, it wasn't. No, it Within wasn't. That whole- Go ahead. I was, say, I was just reiterating. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But then things went sideways with Batman Damned. So mm-hmm. so I think we knew some of this stuff that was already going to be in there. Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, All-Star Superman, uh, All-Star Superman, my apologies, uh, Kingdom Come, New Frontier. But now they're adding uh, Frank Miller's Ronin, Batman Year One, of course. Uh, All-Star Batman and Robin by Frank Miller, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again, (laughs) Dark Knight Master Race, Luther 10th Anniversary, Joker 10th Anniversary, Arkham Asylum, uh, Joker, Brian Azzarello, graphic novel, Killing Joke, Batman Year 100 by Paul Pope, uh, 
Superman Red Sun, Long Halloween, Dark Victory, the Jeff Loeb Tim Sale stuff, Black Orchid, Haunted Night, and Catwoman When in Rome. Mm-hmm. So, again, this was supposed to be like a creator-owned sort of thing. Not really, but it was like, hey, are you a big-name creator and you have a wacky take on a character that doesn't quite fit into what we're doing with the characters? This is where it goes. Or but, a mature, more mature stories. Right, more mature stories. Like those mature stories like New Frontier and uh, Long Halloween and Dark Victory, which are like as all ages as they get, you know? Uh, I don't know. I think Long Halloween isn't all ages, but it's it's most ages. Let's put it that way. Most ages, sure. Mm-hmm. And it looks just like, like, what do we have on our shelves by Grant Morrison, Brian Azzarello, <laughs> Alan Moore, and Frank Miller? Let's just put them all as black label. How, how long till they start sliding Vertigo books into this? Well, again, technically... Um, there was a time when Black, I know Black Orchid and Arkham Asylum were initially printed as DC proper, but in pre, in post reprints after that, they were reskinned as Vertigo books. See, I don't remember that. I'm almost certain that Black Orchid was, because that was when, like, Sandman was hot. Well, Neil, okay. See, Neil Gaiman, Neil Gaiman's, uh, Dave McKean's, Black Orchid. That was before Vertigo, but that was in that uh, right. suggested for mature audience. So yes, but to me, Arkham—I don't think Arkham uh, Asylum was ever reprinted as Vertigo. I think it was always reprinted as just a Batman hardcover. Because I don't think any Batman story or Batman-related story was ever under the Vertigo banner. There's a very good chance that I could be mistaken. I will give you the, the, the Black Orchid because then the Black Orchid became an ongoing series that was at Vertigo. So, you know, that's fine. But I don't, I think they had real rules back then about stamping Vertigo on anything that was a mainstream DC character. Like, they didn't want that because that would adultify them the way Batman Damn did Batman. You would be correct. Okay. Uh, Black Orchid was, Arkham Asylum was not. Okay. But even still, it just seems eventually what isn't going to be a, like, how long until the entire DC line is just DC Black Label? See, I think it has, I'm I'm with you, but I, and because I'm for uh, certain books, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, of weird stuff that you said in there. I'm fine with Watchmen. I'm fine with, you know, some of the other books. To me, the one, uh, I'm even fine with Dark Knight Returns because that's a possible future that, you know, we'll never go. I could, I'd, I could see Kingdom Come being in there. But what I can't see, what I don't like is Batman Year One. Yeah. If, if, if your, if your story was in an ongoing DC line, it can't be. All black label books have to be their own thing. They have to be mini series or or maxi series or just with such creators or elevated like the legacy of their story. But you like I don't ever want to see the return of Barry Allen saga at black label. 
because that was in the in the Mark Wade run. It was the ongoing DC Flash run. That's completely different. You could throw All Star Batman in there. I think that's garbage, but you could throw it in there because it was something else. So I think there needs to be rules, and we're the people to write these rules. Right. Yes, uh, year one is the one that throws me off. I understand why they're doing it. It's the same reason that under normal circumstances, year one and Dark Knight Returns are in every single sale, regardless of whether it fits or not. This Mm -hmm. is just more of a way for them to fit, uh, arguably, what are their probably number one and number two selling Batman stories of all time Mm. right? into yet another imprint so that they can move it to a alleged or possible another audience. Right. Good luck to you, DC. Right, I agree. The further you get away from what this thing originally was, I think the less and less impact it's going to have. I do too. I think it just becomes uh, at the, why don't you just call it DC's greatest hits? Right. I think you they, know? I think they said on there that Watchmen is going to have a thing that says like modern classics, right? Like do that. Like just instead of black label or whatever it is, like have a separate thing that like just not put these books in black label, just put a new trade dress on them that says DC's modern classics. Or it what it should have been was just all new mature stories. It, I thought all black label was going to be all new stuff, but I guess they needed the, you know, to anchor it to legendary stories. Right. I I don't know. I just think it's it's schizophrenic now what black label is. There's no rhyme or reason to to it. So, I don't know. Right. So, moving over to Marvel, uh I wish I took better notes. Mhm. And I wish I knew what episode we talked about it. But I know it's been within the last month or so, maybe the last six weeks, that we jokingly said that we're only a few years away from them doing a Wolverine Infinity Gauntlet sort of thing where each of the claws was a different stone or something like that. And we all had a good laugh. What a ridiculous and horrible (laughs) idea that was. And we laughed and laughed and laughed. Well, Marvel and DC are now laughing all the way to the bank. The Money Bank with the upcoming miniseries Wolverine Infinity Watch, which is which has a image on the cover that I'm sure dozens of people will get tattooed on themselves, which is the Infinity Gauntlet with Wolverine's non-heat claws popping out of it. So I would only get the tattoo if it had the heat claws. Mm-hmm. And just I'm going to go off on this for a second. I saw somewhere a photo of like how cool Wolverine's heat claws were in an upcoming issue or an issue that might have been out and it was Wolverine fighting somebody with his unbreakable razor sharp claws that could cut through anything and the way he was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna heat up my claws cut through a gas hose and and shoot gas across my heat claws and hit that person with fire it was like that was a lot of unnecessary work why don't you just put your stabbing claws in them (laughs) that is to me the and okay i don't want to point paint any creative person with a, this brush, <laughs> but let's say it's the lazy person's version of when DC decided to make Superman electric boogie boogie in mm-hmm. the late nineties. And a bunch of writers had to come up with new and interesting ways for Superman to do the Superman stuff that he always did, but without him having super strength and heat vision and so on and so forth. And some 
you know, some writers did and some writers didn't. Some of them just said, like, oh, he's like Magneto now or something, right? Because Magneto mm-hmm. shoots something that looks like electricity on the cover of X-Men comics. But then, like, other people would be like, well, I've created, like, an electromagnetic field that allows me to manipulate or replicate my super strength. And I did this other thing that allows me to replicate this and blah, blah, blah. You know, so it was like, oh, that's a creative way to get around that. Where this is just like, uh, his claws could light fires. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Howard, you've done it again. <laughs> but yes, so and I think I think the Infinity Wolverine in the Infinity Gem world is just wrong. I just I just think that that he's not back. You know, six months. He's not back six weeks. Six weeks, and he and you've already taken him away from his like from his roots like i don't know i i just think it's crazy like wolverine he's just a guy who likes to drink and stab things it's don't overthink it people he might well he used to be allowed to smoke but he can't even do that anymore oh that's constantine's gig mm-hmm. imagine if he used his heat claws to light his cigars <sighs> Oh my goodness, three at a time. Three on a claw, that's bad luck. Right. Kids wouldn't be able to replicate that. They could replicate the smoking, but as long as... That's my loophole. That's what I would use. I would use the loophole of Wolverine's heat claws for him to do all sorts of illicit and improper behavior. Because that's their whole thing. It's like, kids will see Wolverine smoking and then they'll want to smoke. That's essentially what it is, right? Yep. But if Wolverine is using his heat claws to smoke, then I think that's like the caveat. It's like, well, kids don't have heat claws, so they can't put the two and two together because kids are dumb. That's right. It's like the Human Torch costume. It's just lighter and some oily rags. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that from Saturday Night Live? I do. Uh, what was the Dan Aykroyd character that has like the bag of glass? And <laughs> yeah, favorite the doll kids that has story. the knife that just pops out of its head. <laughs> yep. Good times. No. So I don't know. You do what you do what you want with your Wolverine and your heat claws and your Infinity Stones, Again, gems, gem. Well, you get what I'm saying, right? There's stones everywhere. They're gems in your and I's heart, right? And that's about it. So transition that one, Joe. I can't. Last bit of bad news uh, this week is uh, the passing of possibly the most famous name in comic books that isn't a superhero, Stan Lee, uh, at the age of 95. And this is something that I think a lot of people knew was inevitable uh, after the last, I would say, 12 months that Stan Lee has had, both, you know, I'm sure, privately with whatever health concerns he may have had and publicly with people using his name and adapting his identity and this person has his Twitter and this person has his Facebook and then all the videos of him appearing at conventions, maybe not in the best sort of ways. Um, yeah, but this is a bummer. This one really sucks. It, it really does. And I don't want to sound cold, but I, like I said, I think all that stuff that you just mentioned softened the blow for me because I, I mean, and 95, he was 95. You knew it was closer than, you know, it was inevitable. So when, when the news passed, I was like, ah, you know, I was ready for it in a weird way. I was, I, I, I knew it was coming and, and 
I was able to cope with it, but it still makes me sad. Like, think about it. Like, if I sat here and I read the list of characters that he created, like, Disney should just give him a shrine somewhere. Because the money that he makes, literally, people that, characters he's created for the last 10 years have been the top grossing movies, you know, every year. He just... I saw a great cartoon uh, after his passing. It was an editorial cartoon of, like, God talking to uh, Stan Lee. And it was like, hey, kid, you weren't so bad at creating your own universes. You know, And it was like, he did. Him and Jack. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the whole Stan and Jack thing because that's not it's not the time. But Stan, just so many ideas, so many characters, did Spider-Man for how many years, did FF for how many years, created Thor, uh, X-Men, all of it, and it all comes down. And I'll say this, and I have to bring him into the into the into the, the conversation. I, just on creating Doctor Doom alone for me, for me, like he gets he gets a free free ride first ballot Hall of Famer mm-hmm. on Doctor Doom. Then you add everything else; he's at the top of the mountain. Like who else is up there? I, I don't know. I just just a, a great man who. Who made comics and and made it was ahead of the curve because all this stuff works so well in video and and TV and movies. Like to, he thought about it, you know, forty fifty years ago. Right, uh, and there have been times where we kind of even on this podcast have kind of poked fun at the funky Flashman esque aspects of Stan. And uh, if you've ever read the book Marvel Comics: The Untold Story, um, it paints a true. Uh, image of Stan, and you know, a lot of people were pointing out that like he wrote Fantastic Four number one when he was forty. Well, that was after he had quit comics for several years because he wasn't making any money writing western and romance comics, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing to me, well, uh, there's many things, but right off the rip for me, the one thing that Stan Lee was above all else is a hustler. If mm-hmm. it wasn't for Stan out there busting his butt during the seventies, the late seventies the 80s, up until the mid-80s, for the better part of 15 years, when you thought of comic books, even before sometimes you would think of Spider-Man, the Hulk, Captain America, whoever they were pushing as the forefront of characters, you thought of Stan Lee. He wasn't synonymous, synonymous with Marvel Comics, he was synonymous with comic books, period. Because he was out there beating feet, trying to get the properties that he helped create partially or fully, into as many different media options as possible. Knowing that if these characters lived on, essentially, it was for, I'm sure it was for a very selfish reason, that if his characters, his creations lived on, then he would live on. And he has. And think about it. In the 70s, I don't know about the 70s, but I know definitely the 80s. I don't know where it started. But, like, you go back to Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and he would narrate the opening? Mm-hmm. Like, as a kid, I'm like, Stan, like, you know, Stan Lee. And, and he did, I think maybe he did some of those, like, those, 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 like, uh, lesser, uh, cartoons early on. But think about that. Like, that's where the rock star in comics starts. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people, like, talk about, like, the, when they came in, your, your, uh, your, your, your Starenkos and your Bilson Kevages and all these guys, they came in and they, they changed things after, cause you ever remember Stan worked in comics when it was looked down upon. Like, 
people, people like I, I used to see interviews with people and they would talk about they go to parties and be like, what do you do? Well, I'm a fireman. What do you do? Like, I work on, I work on the docks. What do you do? And you were a comic writer. You would say, I wrote greeting cards. I, you know, did the wrote manuals. You said anything but comics. You, you didn't want to be in comics. And then came the, the point where the people who had read those comics wanted to be in comics and they became the rock stars. He was rock star from day one. Like you said, the, the funky flashman, he hustled, he pushed, he had a stand soapbox. He broadened the brand from day one. Right. So and, that, that's what, and that's kind of what I'm saying is, you know, the outside of the Batman TV show doing what it did for DC comics, mm-hmm. you know, it made comic books art, you know, a pop art, you know, cause that's what it was at the time. But Stan Lee made being in comics cool. Exactly. And ask anybody on the street who Jack Kirby is. And that's terrible. Ask them who Bob Kane is, Siegel and Schuster. And they might know from those little, like, you know, created buys now a little bit. Mm -hmm. But just on those cameos in the Marvel movies alone, Joe. Just on, like, modern day people, like, my brother goes to the movie and goes, where's Stan going to be in this movie? You know, like... That's ridiculous. That's but that's, even like even further still, um, you know, earlier this year Steve Ditko passed away. Um, my wife and my dad did not send me a text when Steve Ditko passed away. Right. I got dozens of texts from people that Stan Lee passed away. Mhm. Like whatever your thoughts and whatever your feelings on him are, you know, uh, if you were a fan of comic books, there were people that looked at him like he was a part of the family. He was just as much as you care about Spider-Man or the Hulk or whomever it is. Stan is another one of those characters, but he was a living, breathing, walking around character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Todd had mentioned Doctor Doom, of course, the one for me co-created with Steve Ditko is Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my favorite character, just like Doctor Doom is Todd's favorite character at Marvel. And, you know, Todd isn't, or Todd, uh, Stan is one of those guys who was consistently out there. And a lot of his later stuff, you know, post-Ravager 2099 may not have (laughs) had that same quality, but when you spent the better part of 20 years creating icons, if you want to spend the next 20 years of your life creating garbage, you're allowed. Hey, wait a minute. Are you saying Stripperello is garbage? (laughs) Well, I'm not saying hey, it was that was more Pamela Anderson's fault that that was a failure. But, you know, <laughs> you, you talk about how Disney should, whatever it is, at Disney Parks, whenever they open up that Marvel wing, <laughs> which they are inevitably going to do, just like there's that statue of Walt at the Disney Parks, there should be a statue of Stan outside of the Marvel slice of the Disney Parks. I'm sorry, just, just putting bag, like a statue of him holding bags of money that say Disney on them. You know what I mean? And I'll say this. I was, uh, reading the article on Bleeding Cool of Roy Thomas going to see him this past weekend when the news broke. Mm-hmm. So it was very surreal to me, like reading that article and Roy Thomas and having this interaction and talking with Stan and, you know, that recent picture that was taken literally two days before he passed away. And I'm done reading the article and I get a text and then I get all the notifications that he had passed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I will say this to you, listener. However it is that you may remember 
Stanley. You may want to remember Stanley, and maybe you're familiar with this, and maybe you're not. You may remember the 90s when Image Comics became like the hot thing, and your Todd McFarlane's, who's actually ended up being a very long, a lifelong friend of Stanley, and was and was one of the last people, along with Roy Thomas, to speak with him. Rob Liefeld, the hot young up and coming artist, right? Right. Comics were every like that's the, that was when the bubble was about like the bubble was as big as it had been since the sixties, right? Mm-hmm. So they released a videotape uh, that was called "The Comic Book Greats," starring Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, and Stan Lee. <laughs> you can go find this on YouTube, okay? It's it was a thirty minute video, and like you can get to watch these three greats in comic books create a brand new character from scratch. I will save you the trouble of watching that entire 30-minute video if you just type into the old YouTube, Stan Lee Owns. It is the three-minute clip of Stan Lee in this video ripping Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld to shreds to their face about how they don't know how to create comic books. Wow. fantastic. Uh, that is the that is the Stan Lee I will remember, and the one who worked really hard to try to get the Toxic Avenger movie made as well. Mm. Like no bigger huckster when it comes to the underbelly of media, if you will, like independent movies, comic books, whatever. Lloyd Kaufman, the head of Troma, is that he was like the Stan Lee of that, right? Right. And those two were friends. And those two were going out and, like, they were, like, trying to out-huckster each other for a period of time in the mid to late 80s. <laughs> and that just sounds – and, like, every time that there was a picture in a Marvel comic of the two of them together, or I would get, like, an issue of Fangoria, and here's Stan Lee and the Toxic Avenger. And I'm like, oh, this is, like, right – this is perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. So Stan will be missed. He's left, like, the ultimate legacy that will never be topped by any, I would say, modern-era creative person of any shake. Yep, I agree. How do you top that? I mean, you just don't. How do we top it, or how does the world top it? The world can't top it. How do we top it? We top it by going over to uh, the conventions that are happening this weekend, (laughs) because there's a bunch of conventions happening. Uh, I do want to start things off by giving a plug-ish recommendation to the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. I would like to give them credit for having the most buggy and spam virus-filled website I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, cool. I've tried to open it on my phone. Mm -hmm. I've tried to open it on this computer. I've tried to open it on two different computers at the Super Secret Science Job, and it just sets off alarms when you try to go to this site. (laughs) You've had to burn all of them. I'm going to include it in the show notes. <laughs> Clicker beware. But oh. if you're in the Memphis area and you're going to that convention, find whoever the webmaster is and give him like a slap on the wrist for me. Oh uh, some of the conventions that have websites that work that are happening this weekend is the Bakersfield Comic Con in Bakersfield, California. Ron Lim is going to be there. And from the world of sports and entertainment, Booker T. And the MGs. No, a five-time uh, champion, former King Booker. Oh, okay. 
uh, at the Southwest Florida Con in Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, you got wrestling personalities there of Greg the Hammer Valentine and star of the film Moving, King Kong Bundy. <laughs> he was on a couple episodes of Married with Children. He certainly was. Sometimes he'd be Peg's family, sometimes he wasn't. They kind of played things loosey-goosey over at the Married with Children's writing room. But uh, more importantly, <laughs> it's South Florida, Southwest Florida to be exact, who's going to be there cranky and miserable? <laughs> Keith! Keith is going to Florida? He certainly is. He doesn't fly, so I wonder how he's getting there. Think, Slow boat? I think he started walking from New York. <laughs> he, he just, somebody asked him about Vexed, and it just powered him all the way to Florida. Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's the Dallas Comic Show, which is strangely in Richardson, Texas, uh, <laughs> where the notable guests of honor, for me at least, are Frank Cho and Carrie Nord. One of my Ooh. favorite uh, underrated artists of all time. And Love then Lord. the Vienna Comic-Con in Vienna. Mm, I love their cookies. I don't really know because their website is in a different language. And while you could translate part of the page, you can't translate the logos and icons that say where, the, where in Vienna it's happening. Mm. But uh, Ernie Hudson is going to be there. Neil <gasps> Adams is going to be there. Donnie Cates is going to be there. Kudos to you for getting a nice Vienna vac- vacation. And mm-hmm. Sylvester McCoy is going to be there, whoever that is. They're all getting paid in sausages. I hope so. Vienna sausages. Sign me up. Ugh. If you pay my airfare, I will come to your convention. You could pay me in whatever your local food is. I would. You know what? Anybody wants to invite Longbox Heroes to their convention... And, you know, would put us up. We're in, man. We I'll, will... I'll split trans with you. <laughs> oh, my like goodness. Like, with, Be... with the con. Like, you pay my way there, and I'll pay my way home. <laughs> right. And we'll even share a room. We uh, need two, let's we not need go two crazy. doubles. Not, two, two beds. Doubles, not, two beds. <laughs> two beds. I take up a lot of space, and <laughs> you're no uh, Frank Sinatra in the 40s. <laughs> I am a crooner, though. You are a crooner. Uh, so the links to all of those, of course, will be in the show notes, uh, as will information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where all the shows in our little conglomeration of networks and like-minded individuals, uh, people who may or may not have their shows on Spotify, I don't even know. Uh, you might have to listen to After Dark for that. Well, you can find out when After Dark comes out at there or at the Longbox Heroes site. This show, of course... Uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, uh, Profane Arguments, uh, the Podvocacy, like, pre-show, they were off last week, because, uh, uh, Jason's girlfriend, Br- Melissa, broke their modem and threw it away and didn't buy a new one. I so think they she threw it in the lake. Threw it in the lake, they had to wait for Amazon click-through money to come through so they could buy a new modem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did release a new, what Podvocacy is now, the pre-show, and Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, where I have to tread lightly on this, but David is doing something diabolical when it Ooh. comes to what he's assigning Jason, which is Jason is assigning David an episode of Star Trek to watch. David is assigning Jason a wrestling match to watch. Mm, that's always diabolical. Oh, it doesn't you, matter what wrestling match it is to me. You it's don't all even diabolical. know. Hmm? You don't even know. Okay. And, uh, of course, I want to give a uh, special shout-out here to Ultra Mega Mass, power listener of the show, 
uh, David Church, who not only went out of his way to give two handwritten post-it notes to both myself and Todd, he went above and beyond the Call of Duty and mailed us both copies of those hard-to-find, at least for me, uh, DC Walmart uh, 100-page specials. He sent us the Halloween one, each of us. Yes, he did, with the Swamp Thing uh, original story. Right, after I had my poor wife going around to Walmarts all over the place to try to find the Christmas one. The Christmas one? Yes. Did you get one for yourself? I got two. Oh. Because one was going to be for you and one was going to be for me, but by the time she bought it, you already had one, so. I'll buy that one off you. I feel bad. I don't, I don't, I don't want you spending your hard-earned money. No, it's okay. It was her hard-earned money. Oh, okay. Right. It's, you know. So thank you very much, David. You did not have to do that, but let that be something that the rest of you listeners now have to catch up to what David did. That's right. Don't be left behind. Send us something fine. (laughs) So also over in the show notes will be the links to the uh, digital sales and freebies, a holdover or two uh, from last week, uh, images, skybound stuff, which does include Walking Dead, I think. Uh, Marvel is having multiple sales on Avengers stuff. Uncanny X-Men stuff and Ironheart stuff. I'm sure there's all sorts of new stuff that's being launched in regards to those. DC is having a sale called Welcome to the Apocalypse. Um, I don't know what this is in regards to. Maybe a Justice League story. Um, if you look at what they're offering, it's like, oh, here's some Vertigo stuff and here's all the stuff that we say is Black Label, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but mm-hmm. also included in there, Todd, is Dark Knight Returns, but not Batman Year One. Oh, do they have any scalped in there? Uh, no scalped, but they do have Why the Last Man, Transmet, uh, DMZ. I think it's like anything that's somewhat post-apocalyptic-y is in there. Uh, so again, I recommend to you, it's not very often that I see that why the last man or trans metropolitan are featured in, in sales like this. So, uh, I don't know. Check those out. And, uh, Batman's no man land has been popping up more, more often in these sales underrated run on, uh, Batman. And also in one of the early issues of it, they take a pot shot at Scranton, Pennsylvania, our hometown. Oh, do they, is that the, is that where they got the idea from no man's land? No, there's, uh, to spoil it, Bruce Wayne is going to Congress to ask for more funding mm-hmm. to rebuild Gotham in the events of what had happened with No Man's Land. Right. And a congressperson says to Bruce Wayne that Gotham City is essentially Scranton with gargoyles. Oh my goodness. Shots fired. And did they say? Did they actually not give the money to Gotham and gave it to the uh, to the perverted arts? <laughs> they did give it to the perverted arts. Okay. And uh, some of the new freebies that are available uh, in the links, and I did make sure to catch those. Was Weapon X the new current uh, story arc written by uh, Greg Pak? She-Hulk number one, the first in the multiple renumberings on that run that Dan Slott did. Something called Star Wars Blood Ties Boba Fett is Dead. I don't know what that is. And the first ever, or the first issue of the 80s West Coast Avengers. 
You love your West Coast Avengers. I do. I'm a, I'm a sucker for, for any team that features Hawkeye in a prominent role. Mm. So that's all the digital sales, the freebies, the what have yous. Let's get into what we read from this past week. And Todd, let's begin with the book that we were both looking forward to coming out this week, which was Auntie Agatha's Home for Wayward Rabbits. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we had talked last week, written by the aforementioned Salty Keith, a.k.a. Keith, a.k.a. Keith Giffen, uh, <laughs> with art by Benjamin Roman. And uh, I guess, what did you think of this one, Todd? Uh, I thought it was interesting. I want to see where it goes. But I want to say I like this book. I didn't love this book. Um, but what I can see this being is more a while back when we read the first issue of what was it shirtless bear fighter. Do you remember that, that story, Joe? I do. And I, I'll say the same thing about that, that I will say about this is that I see this as a sarcastic, very dry cartoon. And I think it will do better as that than this. I, I'm trying to get the feel down um, because not a lot happens but I'm very interested with a lot of the characters, a la uh, Sawyer, the the rabbit, who's the main rabbit in this, you know, home for wayward rabbits, and uh, Julie, who's the, I guess, the granddaughter or uh, aunt or uh, niece of uh, Agatha, and she's, you know, trying to run it, and it's them like feeding them. And they're like cabbage again, and they go find the pellets, the rabbit pellets, and what's in the rabbit pellets is disgusting. And I don't know. It's like I want to see where this goes, but the first issue didn't blow me away. But I did like the art because I thought it had a weird, uh, dry feeling in the art just as well. It's hard to explain. It really is. I, I mean, with dogs that are trying to get into their inner rabbit, they're wearing he's wearing a, a rabbit mask that looks like something out of the purge as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I'm intrigued enough, and I and I love Keith stuff that I have to keep going, but I don't know. It, it's very it's very weird to me. Right. So my biggest issue with this is that they just kind of drop you into this world, mm -hmm. and it's you either accept the premise or not. Right. And which go, go ahead. Which I can do, but go ahead. Right. So it's this girl Julie. The, the animals all can talk. It's just the way that it is. Each of the rabbits have their own personality. There's the other rabbit, Pope, that, like, misquotes popular phrases in terms of whatever and movie quotes and all sorts of stuff like that. You've got your conspiracy theory one. you got your crazy one. And there's a rat even involved in this and lots of other characters that we're going to see as things come along. But... Uh, men in black or women in black type people show up to shut them down. Why? We don't know. Um, and then there's the reveal at the end in regards to what state Auntie Agatha may or may not be in. So mm -hmm. we're led to kind of just, just take all this as it is. Right. They're not holding our hand while we're walking through this, but I don't want you to think that this is some sort of like deep, heady comic. It's just that this is a world that you either need to accept or you're just going to be scratching your head the whole time. Right. And when you talk about the, the women in black, Naomi and, and Raquel, um, to me, that's one of them that where uh, I feel that like they are the heavies in a Looney Tune cartoon. 
is the best way to describe them. Like they come in and they have that like that muscle stupidity kind of thing to them. And I'm wondering if that's where he's kind of going because there's rabbits. Like every time I, I want to say Agatha's, you know, Auntie Agatha's home for wayward wabbits, I want to say wabbits. I really do. And I'm wondering if this is going to be like a weird take on Looney Tunes stuff. I don't know. I just want to see where it goes. I'm with you though. They are not giving you everything, but like I said, if you can accept the premise, I think you'll be okay to, to, to try it out. Right. So another thing that I want to mention uh, with this is at the end of the book, there were some character design sketches, things like that. But there was also a link for a website, uh, mm-hmm. a website called waywardrabbits.com, which has a lot more concepts, sketches, um, some of the more characters that we're going to be seeing, uh, any of the links that this comes up in the news and so on and so forth. But more importantly, every Wednesday in between issues, they're going to be pu- putting up a web comic. As it says, to fill your rabbit void while you're waiting for the next issue. Well, there you go. You got to have your rabbit void filled. Right. So that's an interesting concept to do a little bit more media uh, heavy stuff as opposed to like, here's a book. Next issue comes out whenever it is. It's interesting to see Keith Giffen, who, you know, we love, but will probably tell you himself he is probably a crankety curmudgeon of the highest <laughs> order but for him to kind of envelop a little bit more online presence for this book right to to have that web presence to have a weekly web comic to fill in some of that stuff and the first part of it isn't up as we're recording this but i'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to be and i'm looking forward to see if it's going to be backstory if it's going to be prequel stuff if it's going to be stuff that fills in the gaps that we're saying that they didn't give us here in this first issue so it'll be very interesting to see what happens with it right it could be stuff between issue one and two right so i'm i'm curious too. see you read more than i do when the story ends i'm out Mm. so i try to do a little bit more footwork for the show well that's the difference between uh, me and you Yes. Yeah, so one of the other books that we read from this past week was Immortal Hulk number eight, uh, written by Al Ewing r- with art by Joe Bennett. And we didn't spoil what happened in the last issue when we talked about Immortal Hulk, but it's all over the cover of issue eight. Oh, and throughout the issue. And throughout the issue. So after his battle with the Avengers, the end of issue seven. The Devil Hulk, as he was referring to himself, was blown to bits, and each of those bits were kept in a jar and shoveled away by the government so the government can do tests on the bits and pieces of the Hulk, starting with his heart. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> um, what did you think of this issue? I thought it was really good. There's a subplot... With uh, with uh, Captain Marvel putting a group together with uh, what's his name? He was Sasquatch. Is it Langstrom? Walter Langstrom, yes. Uh, or Lang Langowski. Langowski, yes. Langstrom Lang- is uh, Manbat. Manbat. And there's also McGee, the the female reporter who's been following Hulk around, and she's putting together a group because they're like. You know, they took Hulk's body away, and he's just disappeared off the radar, and we can't find it. So instead of Alpha Flight, they're putting together Gamma Flight. So I found that interesting. But the part of 
the scientist talking with Hulk in the jar. And I, I just found it very disorienting and creepy that Hulk's head is always upside down. Like they couldn't even put him in right side up. Um, so that bothered me, but they're talking and Hulk does a few things. You find out that he can control the parts of his body at night when he comes back to life. And you find out that it was all part of a plan that the Hulk had. And then he ends up doing something to the scientist that was, uh, you know, vivisizing him. And I, I was creeped out by it, but in the line when Banner shows up at the end, spoiler alert, and he's like, I feel like the Hulk has crossed the line that he's never crossed before. And I really thought about that. Like, this is a new avenue for the Hulk with what, you know, how he takes care of the, the scientists and everything. And I'm like, it's different. Um, and now can you come back from that? I, I don't know. I really like this book a lot. Uh, I, I can't say enough about it. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, going into this issue with the Hulk being exploded and being in a bunch of jars and being experimented on and so forth, I'm like, oh, this is something they can get a lot of mileage out of. Or one issue. Right. So it's like it continually, whatever expectations you have for a Hulk story, it completely subverts them and i know that's kind of a joke subverting your expectations and so on and so forth when it comes to media stuff today comics movies etc but it's when this movie or this movie when this book you think it's gonna zig it zags when you think it's gonna go left it goes right it's great it keeps you guessing it keeps you on your toes i agree um yeah i'm sorry i was thinking of something else but i got tripped up so most times when someone asks me what's good, or even more specifically, what's good at Marvel these days, this is the first book that rolls off my lips as a recommendation. Right. So. Uh, so we have one last book uh, that we're going to talk about at Todd's request. <laughs> Nay demands. <laughs> Woo. It's the book it he's is... been talking about more than anything else over the last seven days. It it was it was the topic of conversation at the Scranton Comic Con. Um, is Green Lantern number one by F- Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp? Art by Liam Sharp, Grant Morrison. Question mark writing. Um, basically, the story is it starts out with two Green Lanterns uh, trying to subdue these aliens that have escaped from a prison transport, and they may have a luck dial. And I forget the name of the, the the main Green Lantern who gets his finger bitten off, and it's his favorite finger. So that made me very sad that that happened. But then he sticks Floozel Flem on them? Was it Floozel? I'm not sure how you say it. But he is a virus Green Lantern who infects these group of people and uh, aliens and proceeds to have them uh, vomit and and, and and sneeze and diarrhea themselves, and I'm not making this up, into submission, and they give up, saying, please give us the antidote. And all I can, at this point, I've checked out on the issue. I, I've, like, I've read it to the end, <laughs> but I have checked out on the issue just for Joe. The character whose name makes you, like, like snot and vomit and diarrhea is Floozel Flem. And I have a feeling, like, 
Grant Morrison was sitting there. Let's see, Fluzel Flem. That's the, that's the one end. How about Bluzel Buttwater? Hmm, I'm gonna have to call up Liam Sharp and ask him because I don't know which one to go with. Hello, Liam. Yeah, yeah, it's Grant. Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think would be better for the for the little virus character who makes people submit by vomiting and diarrhea? Fuzel Flem or Boozel Buttwater? I Boozel Buttwater to me sums up the art of the character, but Flem, you know, is going to be more mainstream and not do this. What do you think I should go with? I don't think the word the world's ready for Boozel, so make it Fuzel Flem. I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. This is complete like Grant at his you know, grantiest. And then he, it ends up that the, the luck dial isn't, isn't real, that it was a fake and the controller, one of the controllers has it. And that's going on. Cut to earth to Hal Jordan in the time that I even forget about is Hal Jordan, where he was, he was no longer working at Ferris Air, aircraft. He was a toils, toy sale, door to door toy salesman. And insurance salesman, we're not sure what he's doing now, but he's wandering the country and he doesn't have his, uh, he's not a part of the Green Lanterns. Cause they took his but, battery away. Yeah, they took his battery away and he ends up getting attacked by these funky talking old men aliens that are like right in Grant's wheelhouse. And he ends up beating them and finding another Green Lantern who was beaten down and he takes his power battery and gets called back. Uh, fights the the aliens that have escaped again. I don't know. I, th- this issue has me all over the place. It was so confusing, so confusing. But he ends up catching them through their love of apricots or something. I forget what it was. There was a fruit that he used, and the one grew too big, and its leg snapped. It's all over the place. I had complete trouble following this. Somehow the antimatter universe is involved and the Guardians welcome Hal back into the fold, and he has to go figure out this mystery because someone has contaminated the Book of Oa. And I'm doing a terrible job explaining this issue because it was a terrible job was done explaining this issue to me as I read it. Uh, what did you think? Uh, it was okay. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. Grant Morrison has this pre- this pre- this pedigree as a writer, as a creator, okay? Right. Where all of his stuff is all this heady stuff and all this deep things that oh, you know, oh, it's 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 so important and so this. Now, first of all, I want to say if there was any book that should have been a bl- a black label book, this is it. Oh. Second of all, um I've I'm a little out with where the Green Lantern stuff was with um, the current stuff at DC, but I didn't even realize that this took place during a specific time in Green Lantern's past. It's not very clear that that's what's going on. Um, well, it's only clear because I've re- I've heard of that era. Okay, but like that's not new. Like you might have been reading that, and like oh, like Green Lantern's no longer. He's doing door-to-door toys in 2018. Well, I, I also like the timely other part where the two people drive by and they think that it's bum fights going on. <laughs> right. A very timely reference if there ever was one. Um, but there is a, a a loose shoestring of a plot in here that could be interesting. 
Right. But the rest of it, like, before, like, for the first, like, ten pages, before the Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, the guy in the cover of the book, <laughs> shows up, is a bunch of aliens spouting alien nonsense, sometimes speaking half, like, speaking half English, half gibberish, or full gibberish with no translation, so you very, have very little concept of what's going on or what the stakes are involved with this. And it's just like Grant at his most grantiest. But the right. thing is, if it's Grant doing what Grant allegedly does best, it should be a book that's better than okay. Right. It should if be a he... book that's like knocking people's socks off. And I'm seeing absolutely nobody talk about this book online. It's like, well, this is a book that didn't get printed and published. It escaped. Yes. There's somebody who's at the comic shop and she said that she kind of liked this book and I kind of lost all respect for their, their thoughts on stuff. Not the same oh, person who's to... like the Beatles, is it? Right. Could be, could oh, be. Boy. But here's my take on it. Like there's, there's glimpses in there. Like you said, like that one Green Lantern who gets his finger cut off, bit off. He's mm. like, his character, from what I can gather from what I'm reading, is like a royal from his home planet. And he was thrust upon, like, they wanted him to become a Green Lantern, and he became one. But to become a Green Lantern, you have to literally be honest and fearless. So he made the cut. They, they, unless you find out later, they just gave the ring to him, which would, wouldn't be beyond Grant for me. But, and everybody else is beneath him, and he doesn't like this job. And I'm like, here's an interesting character. That Grant, I'm hating Grant using, but if he hadn't died in the beginning of this, in this issue, he would have been a Green Lantern somebody else would use that I would love, a la Damian Wayne. Like, I hate Damian Wayne written by Grant Morrison. I love Damian Wayne written by anybody else. Grant has the ability to make up decent ideas, totally misuse them, and then somebody will come along and go, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to tame it or tone it down. I'm not going to make it as grandiose as Grant Morrison does and just, you know, make it something people can can swallow the the common man. But I like I said, I I I I didn't like this issue and I can't wait to read issue 2. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hate read. Yes. Uh, I, maybe I, I'll I've joked here before, when it comes to most other media, TV show, movies, music, uh, anything like that, I enjoy the high highs of the absolute best and the low lows of the absolute worst. Don't give me this middling stuff because you're wasting my time and your time. But when mm -hmm. it comes to comic books, that's the only thing where like I'm not messing around and going out of my way to read things that I know I'm not going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. I'll watch a bad TV show or a bad movie for now and then. I, I was actually assigned a couple this year. Whoa. <laughs> hey, it's not my fault what you picked, Joe. I, listen, all See my, what I did there? I all turned my it movies have been home runs. Oh, okay, Chippa. That's right. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Boy, howdy. <laughs> Let's get into what we're looking for, what's coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you're getting uh, books in print, whether you're getting digitally, whether you're getting oversized hardcovers, original graphic novel hardcovers, or you ordered Scalped Volume 4 and you're hoping <laughs> to just replace it with Scalped Volume 5. <laughs> Be forewarned and be forearmed. Know what's coming out this week. And uh, this is a doozy of a week. 
Uh, the two things that Todd and I attempt to do, one is guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd, as the year ends, he is starting to close the gap a bit. Uh, he, I'm ahead of him only by four correct guesses. And the other one is the dollar amount tally uh, of how much we've spent on comic books this past year. And I'm not even going to say uh, less bags, backs, and boards, but I just did. And <laughs> uh, you started the show, Todd, so uh, have at it. That's right. Um, I'm looking over you, and this is a week, Joe. Honest to God, there is, you know, Mr. Miracle, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Fantastic Four, Venom. Like, this is a huge week. Any one of these issues could be the one you are looking forward to. But I am going to pick the final issue of the Mr. Miracle uh, Maxi Series number 12 as the issue you're looking forward to most. You would be correct uh, in that. And I think that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. It is also the book I'm looking forward to. The way they left that last issue, I am. I need to know what's going on. Yeah, I, I was lamenting with someone that this would be the. Well, first of all, one, I would saying I was hoping that it would be the the week that you would send me the complete list. But two, <laughs> also, I was like, this will be the week that Todd like randomly picks like Fantastic Four number three or Lone Ranger number two is his book, just to be silly and cute. Right, but no, and just so you know, as you once told me about, like, you know, when you chose me to do this podcast, and as it went on, you've told me about other people being in, in certain situations, you had a chance to nip this in the bud early, but you live with it, so. That's true. I it's going to be that way till the end of this podcast. And I, I've, I've made my bed, now I've got to weasel my way out of it. There you go. We'll figure out something new for next year. Uh, yeah, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done uh, comic book-wise together. There's a few episodes of At Odds with Wrestling that sneak in there. I don't want to buy another URL. I'm just cheap that way. Uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the smash hit sensation of 2017, Todd and Joe have issues. Who knows what 2019 will be? <laughs> Bring, and we, I really don't know, because it's, like, all the way over there. Exactly. I don't think that far ahead. That's right. Uh, also, you can check out our store, where you could purchase uh, shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on it by our good friend and DC Comics artist extraordinaire Tom Derinick. But if you don't want shirts or pins or stickers, and, again, you'd be foolish not to want those things, but if you want anything else in the entire world, you can click our Amazon link across the top of the page, costs you nothing extra, gives us a few extra cents in the back end, advertising fee, what they call it. I don't care what they call it. It's just a couple extra bucks for us at the end of the month on a delay of about two months. That's how it works. Some of the notable purchases uh, from the click-through this past week is someone purchased uh, the digital edition of Hunt for Wolverine, the Adamantium Agenda. It's a comic book. Uh, someone also purchased Volume 1 of Stray Bullets. That was a physical comic book, a big hardcover, if you will. Someone also purchased the toy version of the prop for the upcoming film Aquaman. It's an Aquaman Deluxe Trident. Mm. And for some reason in the description, the words Aquaman and Trident are in all caps, but the word Deluxe is not. See, I thought it was a gum crossover with the movie. Oh, I would have, was, I, if any gum, I would have uh, assumed Aquaman would cross over with uh, Hubba Bubba at the very least. No, I'm more of a trident. It's that's where you go. I know. That's you got stuff. Uh, someone also purchased an Oreo mug ultimate dunking gift set with cookies. 
Did you see the new Maxi cookies that are coming? No. Oh, uh, remember the Mega Stuffs? This is going to be like three times the oh. Mega Stuff. I think you get like four cookies in a box. Listen, someone call me when PB Max get put back into circulation, okay? <laughs> okay. And uh, someone also purchased it. I'm assuming the same person purchased both of these books. Um, it's from the line called Ordinary People Change the World. Uh, one is I Am Sacagawea. The other one is I Am Neil Armstrong. It's actually uh, it's a series of kids' books by Brad, not related to Dave Meltzer, and mm-hmm. uh, Chris Iliopoulos, who does the art. And if you saw his art, you'd probably know it best from those uh, Franklin Richards books, the all-ages books that Marvel put yes. out a little while ago. I remember those. Right. So they do these books in a variety of historical characters, and they don't do them in a whitewash kind of history book sort of way, but they don't give you all, like, the dirt. They give you, like, legitimate facts in a way that's very easily digestible to kids. And every time I hear the the, the name Sacagawea... Mm -hmm. I think about the jo- a joke from Two and a Half Men, a great show, by the way, um, where the kid was so dumb, and they're like, you know, he's he's dumb. Like, look at his history paper, and he's like, Sacagawea, it's the bag you keep Jaweas in. <laughs> Just like, that's a great joke, Joe. You like that one, right? No. Uh, I know Mo did uh, pull his gun on someone for attempting to pay for a beer at his tavern with Sacagawea dollars. That's... Uh. We accept them. Mm-hmm. And uh, your your joke there from Two and a Half Men is just a ripoff of a Dice Clay joke we can't tell on this show. What? Go Dice back and Clay? listen to our Fe- Ford Fairlane uh, uh, After Dark episode. <laughs> I think Dice Clay might uh, recycle that joke uh, mm. in that movie as well. Right. I have to talk to you about Dice Clay after we're done. I want to see. Yeah, no new updates. <laughs> okay. Unrelated. <laughs> so, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Um, Euronymous, mega contributor. Uh, he does not know the name of the artist, but when he was at DragonCon, uh, he got uh, this commission. He just said he wanted uh, something. Uh, he just asked for something dark, so he got a Batman. Um, if he ever you know, finds the card, I'd be interested to see who the artist was. It's a nice piece. Also... Uh, Yako.org. Wow. Uh, Jeremy well, got, Dennis. But you, you told... Every, okay, we'll shoot talk about that. You, you start with the shoot name, if it's there. And then I was... Okay, all right. And I then you say wrong. their 10 uh, for good buddy Twitter handle. See, I thought you did it the other way. I didn't go to Joe Sposto's Twitter school. Yeah, so um, y'all need to. He does. Uh, he, uh, he's he got a Bob Budiansky Transformer character. I don't know which one that is. To Can I help tr- you out with this one? Yes. Okay, so uh, he is, um, like another listener whose name escapes me right now, is having a bunch of different artists do Spider Jerusalem. Uh, Jeremy is having a bunch of different artists do Scrounge from the Transformers. Oh, there it is in the tweet. There you go. Uh, I'm having again a day. one by Bob Budiansky, the other one by Casey Collier, who is currently ra- uh, drawing some of the Transformers books over at IDW, and uh, I like that. That's really cool when you get that character that you really like, and then you get a whole bunch of folks to do those sketches and so on and so forth. And it appears as though Jeremy is doing them as those uh, sketch variant covers, which you know adds a new wrinkle to you know getting that same character on the covers as well. Right. And then Jay is his name at T-Bolt <laughs> 712. 
uh, is got a John Romita doodle in his uh, sketchbook, and it looks like 2006. But then he ended up getting Stan Lee to sign it at a convention in 2009. Um, and John Romita Sr. is a good get for a sketch or doodle. Because um, I remember when he was doing free stuff at cons years and years and years ago. I ended up giving up my spot to somebody else so they could, well, secretly... Uh, they got, uh, uh, I think it was a Spider-Man and then wanted a Mary Jane or a Gwen Stacy to go with it. So I gave up my spot and got that one for them, Joe. Oh, uh, what, a, so I, what a doll you are. What a mensch that I am. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, uh, I contributed this week. Which what? Was, I, got, I got a Jim Ballant Catwoman. Uh, at New York Comic Con in my sketchbook, he was doing. Uh, he was just on the on the regular floor, not in Artist Alley, doing free sketches for two hours, and uh, he was just there doing stuff. And I ended up deciding to get a Catwoman because that's really what I know him from. And the interesting thing about him is when he, if you look at the signature, he will put the date, and he will also put the time he finished the sketch on. Whenever he's done, he'll be like, "What time you got on your phone?" Okay. And mine was 3.47 p.m. when he was done. I like so that. I, I just f- find that that's cute and different. And that's a really good sketch as well. All good submissions from everyone to, uh, this week. Thanks, everyone, for uh, contributing to Todd's Art Attack. And uh, to the mysterious J, T-Bolt 712, when I ransack your house and I steal most of your art, I'll let you keep that one. That's nice, yeah. Right. That's mighty kind to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so I think that covers all of that. Um, football picks, I think, is a dead issue these days. <laughs> I think football's a dead issue. Isn't the entire league knotted up at four, four and five or something? Yeah, except for like four teams. Ugh. That's it. Uh, and like I said, the Raiders are still running around just killing grass. Killing grass. So let's get into what we watched TV-wise this past week. Uh, if you don't care about Doctor Who or Legends of Tomorrow, we bid you adieu. Uh, there was no Flash last week, but there is Flash this week, which we'll be talking about next week in a squibbly, timey, wimey <laughs> sort of thing. Squibbly, wibbly. Yeah. You heard me. So uh, where would you like to begin with the TV stuff? Well, let's start with Doctor Who because that was first, and we'll end we'll end with your favorite show ever, Legends of Tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. so uh, Doctor Who, Yaz is uh, celebrating her grandmom's birthday, and her grandmom's being all sorts of cryptic about her past and a gift that she gives Yaz, specifically a broken watch. And I will say this was some of the most ham-fisted, poorly delivered dialogue I've seen on TV in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm four seasons in on Legends of Tomorrow, so keep that in mind. <laughs> right. Um, where the grandmother, I think, maybe was really her grandmother, not an mm. actor. Right. So, or somebody's grandmother. <laughs> right, someone's grandmother. <laughs> so Yaz is like, hey, doctor, we have a time machine. Why can't we go back to, you know, this time so I could see these stories that my grandma won't tell me? I'm sure nothing bad will happen, and on a different show in a different time, all of the characters would have looked at the camera at that point and maybe shrugged, or at least one of them would have shrugged. But lo and behold, Todd, uh, they go back in time to 1947 India, right before uh, India is about to be split up amongst religious divides. And right. also while that is going on, these two, uh, at first glance, 
super shredder looking aliens come up obviously assassins here to kill everyone but they may not quite be what they seem um i thought this episode was okay i'm not up on my uh muslim hindi separation from the 40s so maybe it did re- it did not resonate the same way with me as it did with maybe someone who is british and this might be something that plays a little bit more into their direct history than it does us dumb americans but right. i thought this was I- fine I agree. I thought this one was a bit, you know, preachy with the message and everything in the middle. Um, it, the, the story of the assassins that are no longer assassins. I like at least their story that they go and they honor the fallen that, that are alone. I, I, I kind of really dug that. Um, this is, I think, like you said, is, you know, there's a lot of people from Pakistan and a lot of people from India in, in England and stuff like that. And their history, it's part of, you know, their culture that the, the uh, England uh, was ruling over them at the time. So it, to me, I think this would have been an easier to understand story for us if it was, say, Civil War. You know what I mean? Because we yes. understand that history. So I'm the same with you. I'm like, I don't understand it. And, you know, I don't understand you know, being a white bearded guy from America, uh, when they're doing the, the rituals for both a Muslim wedding and a Hindu wedding, tying the hands, I'm like, I don't, is this true? Isn't it? I don't know. I only know dearly beloved. We are gathered here together. Like that's my, my wedding window. So I'm like, okay. And in it, I just felt lost a little bit at times because I didn't know the history. But in the end, when you hit the monster beat, which wasn't a monster, and I, I they've done a couple episodes where characters gone back to seeing their family, and she like the doctor always does it, and he's like, I know it's going to be a mistake, but I'm kind-hearted. I'm, I'm going to do it. And there's a, just a few little things in it that I love about the doctor, like when she's like like something could happen to you if you if you do this and you're important like nobody to the doctor is unimportant and that's just one of the things that i like about it but it wasn't a super great episode like i i think i would have liked it better like i said if i had more background in in information on what was going on but otherwise okay Right, and I, I liked the stuff of, you know, and obviously you probably being a little bit more of a doctor person than I, when the doctor tells Yaz, certain things have to happen, you can't interfere, you have to let them happen, you can't do this, or you'll write yourself out of existence, and then like the next scene, the doctor's like, oh, I'll officiate the wedding, and Yaz's like, what did you just tell me before? It's like, well, this is different. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So one would one would make me wonder, since all of these episodes kind of seem to be one and done with a little bit of a thread between them, just with these four main characters, that if and when a situation arose where Yaz's grandmother saw the Doctor, that it would trigger some sort of something. Right, but I look at it as that was, we're in 2018, that was 1947. Right. Like, yes, it is, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't trigger because it doesn't trigger that I'm looking at the woman who was at my wedding. I guess the priest who 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 did your wedding would jump out at you, I guess. Possibly. So, yeah, she possibly. Possibly. So. I'm just saying, like, that could be something that they could play back on if they decided to go that route with tying some of the stuff this season together. Right. 
Uh, so the other thing from this week was Legends of Tomorrow in an episode entitled Wet Hot American Bummer. I get that title. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sarah and Ava are watching a not Swamp Thing movie. And then mm-hmm. the the title of the movie is called Swamp Thang. And the reason that it's Thang is because it's four A's, because it's the fourth one. It's based on a bunch of true events that happened during a certain time period. Sarah says, that didn't really happen. And then Gideon calls and says, hey, guess what just happened? Right. So now they got to go back to 1995 to the camp where this allegedly happened and prevent this from happening. The two, And again, there's subplots involving like oh here's the crazy like this this was as it's always sunny in philadelphia of an episode as there possibly could be because you get a bunch of the characters paired off with each other in ways that they don't typically get paired off with each other to see what happens right or you get characters like sarah and ava who typically are amongst their own group and don't have to be amongst other people Mm-hmm. And how they interact with each other. You know, you got Ray and John, of course, and then back on the Wave Rider, you've got Rory and fake Zari bonding, or not, uh, Rory and the prisoner, the shapeshifter bonding over prisons and drinkings and stuff like that. Right, which I really like. That worked for me. The two main takeaways from this episode, severe lack of Gary. They talk about Gary a bunch like he's Poochie. <laughs> and speaking of people being talked about, John Constantine all but comes out and says the words Alec Holland Swamp Thing. He says I knew a Swamp Thing. Well, you get what I'm saying, though. Right. He's like he was more down in Louisiana, not this far up north. Yeah, that Muppet wouldn't be this far up north. Right. So that's acknowledgement. And apparently I saw people on the Twitter machine saying that they did a similar referral to Batman on this week's episode of Arrow as well. Yeah, yes. Uh, Talia Ghoul was like, oh, I'm here in jail because I had a run-in with uh, an old nemesis in Gotham. And you're like, oh, Batman, okay. Oh, Asriel. Uh, or Asriel, yes. Uh, Asriel's still a thing? Mm, to one but guy anyway, he is. One guy. But uh like I said, I, I, I like that, uh, that they acknowledge Swamp Thing. I like uh, Ray and John together as just, a, just it's fantastic, uh, the two of them teaming up. Um, but the reason I just want to get into, you're saying Gary isn't in this episode, a lack of Gary, and there's also a lack of Nate, the new Time Bros. The reason that is, is because... Nate, well, Gary's with Nate, and that was where their story was going. But Nate, the, the actor who couldn't play or plays Nate couldn't film during this episode because he was having a child, and when the child was born, it was there was a whole bunch of problems, and they had to give it like emergency, like two emergency surgeries in the first twenty four hours, and he's just like, look. Like, I can't, I gotta, I gotta go, like, cause they were having problems with the pregnancy and everything. And Berlanti and all of them were like, just go, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll pad, we'll pad, we'll do everything. And the actor who plays Nate was just, that's why I wasn't in the episode. And I would really like to thank all the creators behind the scenes working around my schedule. And with those scenes cut, so goes Gary. You know what I mean? Gotcha. But 
I, I just, and I saw that online and I thought that was really cool of them to do. So, uh, but that's why we didn't get a lot of them, but we did get Ray and John, which is a, which is a beautiful couple hanging out together and John in, in, in counselor garb is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So, cause he has uh, the pack of smokes rolled up in his sleeve. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. But to see like Sarah and what's, uh, uh, her girlfriend Ava doing the whole uh the interesting where there are two different people she's the fun one and Ava is uh you know my favorite line is children crave you know authority and I'm like no or discipline and authority and I'm like no no I don't think as a child did you ever crave authority and discipline Joe <sighs> I chose the path of least resistance mm-hmm Whatever oh, that would be. So I laughed at that. It just like the, the way, because she was never a child. She was a clone. And I completely forgot about that till this episode. Um, so it was interesting. And then they end up going, they, they end up taking the potion and becoming kids. And she has her first kiss as a, as a counselor. All around, I thought the weakest part about this was the monster. Yes. The swamp fang was kind of weak, and I kind of knew it was the the guy all along. Right, like as soon as hit- he shows up, like it was a classic attempt at a misdirect, which was, a, it was, it was one of your classic, uh, was it wrestling, what do you call them? A wrestling gotcha. A wrestling gotcha. <laughs> right, so like I said, uh, that was... Like I said, the weakest part. I like Nate, or not Nate, uh, uh, Heatwave and, 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 uh, the new Amaya in the, in the thing. I like the way they, they bonded and everything. Good episode, not my favorite episode. A good character team building episode. Right. It's kind of like, it's like, here's a breather. Here's, like I said before, it was the, you know, the always sunny formula where you get to, put these characters either in different situations or different pairings that we don't normally get to see so that we could get some growth out of these characters as the season goes on that we could call back. It's like, oh, remember the camping episode where XYZ? Well, that's why Q is happening, you know? Right. But I thought it was good. I always enjoy Legends of Tomorrow. It's a fun show. No wigs either. No wigs. Didn't, uh, didn't, what's her face? Uh, what's Dark's daughter's name? Uh, I forget. Damien, yeah, Damien DeHark's daughter. She's working at a Ren fair. Right, but did she have a big long wig on? No, I think it was like a more of like a cloak or something. Okay, I thought she had a wig, a long wig. But uh, so we'll see because they have to go find her because John gave up some uh some magic, some of his life essence to save the kids. And I do have a theory of who is after John. Can you uh, talk he- about it here? Yes, because they're, I think they're going to go back to the Hell, the Constantine TV show that was on NBC that Matt Ryan played Constantine. There was a, there was a guy who played Chaz, who was an American version of his buddy in, in the comic. There was a British cab driver and he was an American cab driver who was immortal and be, or had so many lives to give because of something that he did. Like he could die and come back like 23 times or whatever. And they were keeping track throughout the show. And there was a girl on the show who who was you know a, a woman who was also a partner i think it's one of them or it's also the girl astra who was sent to to hell because of him when he was younger as a punk rocker playing with magic 
in other words, I think it's going to be one of several people from the 13 episode run of Constantine. There's a few like loose threads that they never pulled and finished with. So I have a feeling it's going to be one of those. That's interesting. Again, not having seen that show. That was so good. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite shows. When that got canceled, I was upset. So. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't, is this a shortened season? I don't know. I think all Legends of Tomorrow are shortened season. They're not as, you know, because of the, uh, I think it's only going to be not at the 24 episodes. Uh, looks like, well, they have 20 episodes on the, in the, in the hopper, it looks like. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think this is going to be the last season between you and me, so. Oh, don't say that. Well, the, I'm just saying the ratings are bad, so. Ah, the ratings don't mean nothing. It's the wig quality that matters. Right. Exactly. As long as the wigs are awesome, that's all that matters. Right. So, I guess, is there anything else for the show this week, or? No, I think that's everything. All right. So, uh, for Todd, this is Joe, closing out episode 424. I've done a good job of not coughing and schnotting the whole time. Nope, you got your floozle phlegm going under control. And uh, we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Only you could talk that loud all the time on the microphone. Ah! We got eight right last week. That's pretty good. Ah! He's uh, watching his levels, so he's having a good time doing that. So let's do our picks. This one. Uh, Seahawks. Gotta say it better. Seahawks. Titans. Giants. Steelers. Lions, Cowboys, Bengals, Texans. Tough one. I don't know their names. Raiders or Cardinals? Raiders. Broncos. Eagles. Vikings. Uh, Chiefs. All right, that was the last one. All right, goodbye. All right, bye, everybody. Go down to watch some. Life awesome.